be full of fright. I grant that I was with the devil below in his great big fiery hall, where the devil was giving a ball. I checked my coat and hat and started gazing at the merry crowd who came to witness the show, and I must confess to you, there were many there I knew. Welcome to The Dispatchist, a friendly conversation about hell and some other stuff. I'm Jacob. <laughs> I don't know why I always have trouble remembering I know, that. I am. Hmm. I'm hmm. Victoria. Who am I today? Mm-hmm. Hi. I'm Jamin. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad we're all here and ourselves. For once. Are we? Oh, I have a question from a listener. Yes. So this listener noted that. Okay, so guy who's not Jacob, say your name. Wait, there are a great many guys who aren't Jacob. Me? Yes. yes. Uh-huh. I'm Jamin. Okay. Now, Jacob, say the name of the guy that you are not on the screen. There's an underwear model on my left monitor. Does that count? <laughs> Yeah, your screen is different from his screen. <laughs> well, it's I say Jamin, but I know I'm getting it wrong. I've just been getting it wrong for so many years that I'll never get it right. Okay, see, that's that's exactly what he wanted to know. So, Mike, there's your answer. Okay. <laughs> I kind of like it. I think now you have to be consistent. Yeah, yeah. I knew a Benjamin growing up, and mm-hmm. I know that his name is tied to that, so that's why I've gotten stuck on this pronunciation. Right, because Jamin and Jamin are so similar. Right. Right. But honestly, most of my friends have so many different names, I don't remember any of them at all. It Mm. just gets Mm -hmm. a confusing blur. Names are all, I mean, they're a construct anyway, aren't they? I mean, these are not our real names. No, I guess not. Like in the the universe, right? I'm sure we have, our names are in the Akashic record somewhere that yes. are, and they're very different. Is, is this one of those, if you know its real name, you can control it kind of things? Yes. Have I told you how angry I am at birds? Because they know your name? Because they should be like demons where if you ask their name, they should tell you what kind of bird they are. Grackles can. <laughs> it's true. I guess some birds can. This actually ties into today's hell news, which is about someone whose name is a fiction. Ooh, okay. Let's learn more. But first... I want to say that this is episode 40 of The Dispatchist. Oh my god, yeah. 40. Yay. Celtic Critters. Wow, and it's part three of our... We don't even know. <laughs> of our um, never-ending This is like Celtic. the Hitchhiker's... <laughs> oh, did you get the Hitchhiker's Guide joke I made last episode? No, which one was it? Yes, that? of course. Nod, nod, <laughs> nod. Okay, good. Thanks, Jamin. I have to, do I need to listen to it again to, to find it? Then we'll have two listeners. <laughs> We've had more. We've had a few people. We'll have more. So something I'm excited about is this Sunday, we're going to start the Psychopomp course Woo! at Morbid Anatomy. Yay! And we talk a lot about Morbid Anatomy because we like them. They have all sorts of courses on occult and death and art and the intersections of those things. Mm-hmm. And this is a six-week course with a final project and homework assignments about psychopomps. Yay, just exactly the kind of homework assignments I want. Right. Wait, really? Well, I mean, compared to what else you could have? like Compared math. to actual homework? Or like, I don't know. I mean, I'm okay. Like, I'm too old for teamwork if it's, you know, with people I don't know. But you and I can do teamwork. 
Okay. That needs to be a shirt or like a button. I'm too old for teamwork. I think definitely I am. <laughs> I would wear that shirt. I mean, like class, you know, class, class project teamwork because, you know, kids. So this is a six-week course starting on April the 10th. 10th, I believe. But there is a course starting in early May. So we'll put a link up to that in the show notes and definitely go and try and be part of it. But you'll get our week-by-week feelings as we progress through this. Yes, our learnings. Mm -hmm. Yes, if we're capable of that at this age. (laughs) That's going to be hard. Oh. Did anybody bring anything to the party? I did. I brought a traditional Irish liquor called pochine. Do you guys know what pochine is? Yes. I do. It makes your face go this. (laughs) So, yeah. He's making the kissing a lemon. (laughs) The drinking pochine face. Mm -hmm. It's it's pretty serious. So, it's a distilled beverage. 40% to 90% alcohol. ABV. What does ABV mean? Alcohol. A volume. Burr volume. <laughs> Burr volume. Yes. Burr volume. So it's generally uh, generally produced in remote rural areas away from the interference the, of the law. The law. Oh, the, this uh-huh. is this is a boot whiskey. It is, and um, so a mash was created and fermented. And then distilled in a still, of course. And they were often, these stills were often set up on land boundaries. So it would be unclear who actually owned the still if the law were to come by. But before there was bottled gas, turf was used to heat the liquor to distill it. And they would always wait until there was a good windy day to do that because the smell. So um, you had to have a windy day. It blows the smoke away because if you see a fire, you know, someone's running the still. Yes, so it's the fire and, yep. and the, yeah, and also it was made from a malted barley base, the same as like malt whiskey, and the re- the name comes from the fact that it was typically distilled in a pot, so poutine is little pot. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm, and also the word for hangover is, is poit, or P-O-I with a little diacritical T, so I think that's poit. And the rumor that it makes you go blind has nothing to do with the strength. It has everything to do with the quality. So drink up. This is really good quality stuff that I made in my backyard last week. Birds were so shocked when they went their little bird bath. <laughs> it's true. Poor little. Now they'll tell me their names. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Drink up, little fella. <laughs> well, I bought some entertainment. Oh, good. Oh? And I think this one's going to need some popcorn. For our pleasure, a towering and monstrous iron-snouted dogfly will beat traitors with a hammer, driving them both into and out of a circular flame-spouting pit that echoes with the screams of the damned. Whoa. Ugh. More okay. echoes. Mm-hmm. Sorry, hell does echo. Echo, 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 echo. I don't know what a dogfly is. So it's not a dog that's, it's like a horsefly, maybe? I don't know. Okay. It could, be, it could be like a horsefly. It could be a dog bug. <laughs> more, more bug than dog? Yeah, the church fathers were not clear on what this was. Dog bug. Okay. Yeah. All right. What about you, Jamin? I was out in the backyard and I found a, a bush of berries. I think they're blackberries, so I picked them <gasps> all. Put oh. them in a bowl. Hmm. Was it like Michael Moss? It's not Michael Moss. Michael Mass, right? Michael Mass. When Mas. is Michael Moss? 
And we oh, celebrate dear. it every every day. We celebrate Michael Moss in our hearts. <laughs> Jim, don't don't eat those. But they, what? No, what? don't There's just cr- just put them put them down. Put them There's, down yeah. right now. You know about them, right? There's cream in the fridge. That's but, that's good. Yeah, delicious. Yeah. No, blackberries are like the devil's pee. Yeah, especially Michaelmas. Yeah. Michaelmas. 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 But what? Well, and now <laughs> and and now you know. The so, more you know. So Michaelmas is the feast of Saint Michael, and Saint Michael kicked the devil out of heaven. Mm-hmm. And where he landed, he cursed the blackberries and sometimes peed on them. Yes. Just like the dogs. Mm-hmm. Oh, dear. Well, now we know so much. Mm. We know a little too much. Maybe that's where the dog flies come from. This is this is not hell news. It's hell olds, and it's not even hell. But oh. as I was uh, posting on Instagram, I was posting a picture of that lovely statue of Manon and McLear and do you know the one of him standing in the boat and it's yeah it got stolen it got stolen it got stolen but it was they they created a new one because it also got damaged but do you know who created the statue salvador dali (laughs) the the irish no this doesn't mean a ton to me because i haven't watched it but it means a ton to a lot of people the guy who made the statue and its replacement was he worked on the Game of Thrones TV show, Aww. James Sutton. Yeah. Neat. Oh, okay. Talent. So, my guess, did he make the throne, do you think? Ooh. Mm. So, there's a little connection there that's pretty interesting. Neat. I don't know if, yeah, I don't know why him is, I don't know if he's from Northern Ireland or not. But, anywho, just found that like 10 minutes ago. But we do have some legitimate hell news. Okay. This is one of those that gets kind of weirder the deeper you go into it. So, headline. At the behest of Satan, Vernon Standoff Suspect disputes authority of local court. In the city of Brattleborn, which is a pretty good name on its own, uh, yeah. there was a six-day standoff with the police, and Christopher Knudsen has taken an odd defensive position at his trial, suggesting that the court is operating at the behest of Satan. Uh, he also explains that Christopher Knudsen is not his actual name. It's his slave name and a fictional entity. His actual name is Christ. The Vernon Court is part of Satan's hierarchical structure, and the trial is an act of spiritual warfare. I mean, it's so logical. It it actually gets weirder. He's being held in prison for political persecution because he accused the state of child abuse. Quote, all because I stood my ground. I said no muzzling my children like dogs at the school. And I don't think this is a metaphor. Uh, Oh, dear. Yeah. Maybe it is. I don't know. He's a very strange man. So uh, he was accused or convicted of child abuse? No, no. Just Oh. I think okay. of like holding like a six it was a six day standoff with the police. Oh, gotcha. I okay. think there was okay. a hostage involved. Uh, he lost his previous job because he tended to reveal a gay pedophile ring made up of old creepy men calling themselves the gay mafia. Okay. And has complained repeatedly about sodomite judges in black robes. And has declared the state of Vermont itself a fictional entity that has no legal authority over him. <laughs> Well, he has valid a valid argument. Have you been to Vermont? No, I. I it's fictional. It's fictional. <laughs> yeah. I guess I just dreamed it. I dreamed <laughs> it. That didn't. That never happened. Wow. We have to follow that story. I. And it might get weirder. I suppose. I hope there's. Yeah, I kind of don't want it. to. Yeah. The headline was great. The story seems terrible. 
That's true. Yeah. Uh, and then I have another one that Google recommended to me, and it's really just the headline. Uh, mm-hmm. Jesus Breaks the Power of Satan, Philadelphia. <laughs> Is this one of those... One of those, like, punctuation makes everything kind of thing? Um, well, I mean, that is exactly how the headline was written out, but it's it's from an article in Philadelphia. And so it's, it's just, not comma Philadelphia like no, no, broke no, no, no. also Philadelphia's power? Mm, no, it was an M-dash, but uh, I like the headline, and I thank Google a, for it every day in my heart. That's a really good headline. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the headlines are better than the stories, to be honest. Has anybody else been getting just a buttload of advertisements from Wicked Clothing? Yes, I love Wicked Clothing. I actually that's one of the few Facebook advertisers that I don't go through and ask to not receive any more. You, you just click it. Advertisements from. Uh-huh. <laughs> I keep them up. I sent them a note asking if they were really investing in advertising or if this is the only thing Google will let me see now. Oh. I cannot rule either one of these things out. I might that may just be the only ad that I'm qualified for anymore. I'm sure it's a complicated algorithm based on your perceived interests and lifestyle. Yeah, that's what I'm worried about. (laughs) (laughs) I actually looked at that list one time to see what what they were basing my algorithm on. And there were really weird things that showed up that I'm like, I'm so not interested in that. Like motherhood? Oh, there's a list of your your hits or something? Where do you find this list? It's kind of complicated, but you, you can, if you... Click on an ad that you don't want to see anymore. There's a choice to not see ads, other ads from Based this company, on- and that'll ask you why. Oh, and then then you can actually see the list of interests, and maybe it's all interests, but I think they kind of rank mm. them like the ones that you might be interested in. Oh, exciting! You can go through and unclick them. Okay, let's see mm-hmm. how many synonyms for demons there are on mine now. <laughs> I'm sure babies are going to show up. Oh, next episode, they will. Mm-hmm. How's that foreshadowing? Uh, yes. Uh, after our final episode. <laughs> I think it's going to be a while before we get to the babies. So it's more like five shadowing. <laughs> I think so. Mm-hmm. Pretty, pretty cute. Your little math joke there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm salty today. I don't know why. What's our topic? Oh, our topic today is Celtic critters. Okay. Yeah. So as we were doing research on uh, the Celtic deities and on the Celtic other worlds, there just seemed to be all these little creatures that kept popping up that some were pretty load-bearing and some were just weird. Many of them are deities. Yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. The overlap is The overlap is difficult. And there's a lot of overlap with all of the different Celtic groups. So it was quite difficult to kind of parse them out. And so at some point you just stop. You just stop. Well, how do we begin? I think we begin with the she, because that's where we left off last time. The a she, because that is kind of the the big umbrella for all of these critters. And I'm not going to say it's different than the Tuatha Danan. It may be what the Duatha Danan became as they fizzled over time. Yeah, when they were taken underground by yeah. uh, Manon McLear. Mm-hmm. So okay. they're very closely tied. And there is some confusion, some might say, caused by W.B. Yeats, whether she refers to the creature, the, the fairy folk, or does it refer to the actual place where they live? Like their hotels. 
yes, their hotels, their bungalows, their condos, their, you know, retirement communities. <laughs> so <laughs> they're intentional cult communities. Is there a she HOA? Oh, there's got to be, right? Oh, but is it? How objectionable do you think it is? I think it's pretty objectionable. I think they probably do not allow solar panels on your roof. Yeah, they're elves. I mean, they, they're uh-huh. probably really fussy and traditional. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there's like a time limit for how long you can leave your trash cans out. White picket <sighs> fences must be so tall. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Well, fairly low. You know. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> must be so low. <laughs> <laughs> this many cubits. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. And, of course, they're called a lot of different things in different places. But And there's slight variations amongst them, just as umbrella terms. I made a list of my favorite terms. Oh, please, please share your favorite terms. Uh, the little gentry. Oh. <laughs> leftward turning folk. Okay. Uh, host of the dead. Ooh. Little fellows. <laughs> little boys. Excessively proud people. Oh, okay. Yes, I remember that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, some from France, the spinners of destiny, the little ladies of the tall trees, the exquisite godmothers, and then just themselves. Themselves. They don't mess the- with themselves. No. So is that an Irish one? I don't remember what it, it was. Um, it is? The, 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 the themselves? I think that might be English. Oh, okay. Because uh, Sinn Féin, in I- uh, the Irish uh, political party, means ourselves alone. And so I'm wondering, like, oh, oh, themselves. I don't know. Just I was wondering if there's a... I love all those, whatever the word is for Happy the things you were describing. <laughs> but they do have some regional differences. Like in Wales, the Tiltag um, are very similar but they have more specific strategies that they um, dis- they deploy in dealing with humans. Okay. And so there's four different kinds. There are the Elyon, which are the elves. You've got Koblenau, or Cop- I'm not sure if the- I'm saying that right. Oh, which that's, are the fi- that's yeah. in D&D, the El- Eladrin. Oh, is that? Oh, right, right, right. So that's probably where it comes from. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we have the Koblenau, which are the ones who work in the mines, okay. like the Cornish knockers, which I'll right. talk about in a That's second. That's a category. The knockers? Yeah. Or the, uh-huh. We also have the household elves, uh, I won't even try to say that Welsh word, that are a lot like brownies, which is, you know, another kind of these fairies. But those are household, that, like I said, household servants, and they're kind of like Dobby. I think Dobby from Harry Potter is probably based on one of these. The, the, the shoe ma- shoemaker elf sort of category. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then another word that I can't pronounce that we're going to talk a little bit more about is the female freshwater fairies. And they, in some stories, are thought to be cursed by St. Patrick for taunting him during a visit. Neener, neener, ha ha. St. Patrick attempts to convert the mermaids. <laughs> I think St. Patrick did a lot of questionable things. I think his methods were questionable at best. Okay, I'll yeah. buy that. I think he's to blame for a lot of this stuff. And there's also Gwilion, which are the mountain fairies like hags, such as the Caliac in uh, Irish and Scottish lore. Oh, the hags. 
Yes. And so also they are seen as the uh, queens of winter. And they are also good natured and have a dislike of clergymen and teetotalers. Oh, yeah. That made me laugh. Mm hmm. If you're a teetotaler or a clergyman, you will suffer their wrath. They're, they're crazy pranks. They're mischievous nonsense. Well, crap. Yes, exactly. So we also have pixies, and those are of a, more of a Cornish flavor of these fairies. And don't confuse them with fairies. No, 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 no. They, they don't do like, not that. like that. They, don't like they that. fight. They fight the fairies. And did you know the word pixelated comes from pixies? I imagine so. Do you know why? Uh, it's probably like like being face struck and scatterbrained and yes. sli- slightly cursed. Yep, 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 yep. Okay. Because they are sowers of chaos. So pixelated, kind of creating uh, an image that is chaotic. But, um, interesting bit of trivia. The the Seelie and the Unseelie courts, mm-hmm. that's an Irish thing. There are no Unseelie in Scotland. Really? But there were the Slua. Ah, I'm excited to hear more about the Slua. Yes. Yes. Uh, one other fun thing about pixies, they might be the souls of children who had died unbaptized. Oh, call out to dead baby episode, which hasn't happened yet. Yep, yep. And also they're thought to be related to the Pictish tribes because oftentimes they're depicted as blue. Is that because of the woad? Mm-hmm. The, the woad. Yes. Jacob, you mentioned the chil- the what was it, the people of ambition and pride? The excessively proud people? Yeah, so the Ad- the Adeni, they're also called the children of pride or ambition because they were uh, regarded as having been fallen angels. Oh. Yeah. And so, s- again... How do you say that? I mean, how do you spell that? It's A-D-H-E-N-E. And they're also known as the clone of mine, which is a Welsh, very Welsh spelling that I could spell for you if you want. A-D... A D H E N E. They were Manx. They're Manx. Okay. Yeah. Manx is a strange language. Oh. Well, they have a strange flag, so there. There you go. Yeah. Everything appears in threes. Yeah. And spins. (laughs) (laughs) So these guys, uh, they're mostly, they could be nice, but they're also mischievous and they stole babies. So, um, and. They also allegedly did not affect humans that were on a mission of mercy. Oh. So they would not, if you were doing something good for somebody else or, you know, helping somebody in some way, they weren't going to bug you. I bet the monks wrote that one in for themselves. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, there are a couple of other Manx ones. Um, the, <laughs> the really fun ones, just because I like the name, is the Slay Beggies. And, um, but they were just kind of like, I just like the name. Do you want to talk about some specific kinds of she, a she? I had a couple that I thought were kind of interesting. Um, Tell us. The Abertok? Oh, yes. Uh Uh-huh. I'm I'm confused about them. Is he a dwarf or is he Dracula? Right, right. I had him in my Harbingers of Death slash Spectre slash demons he is fascinating to me too so tell us more about the Abertok. well i don't know that much about him except that he was an evil dwarf sorcerer and mm-hmm. they you had to kill him like rasputin like four or five times before it took he was kind of a horrible tyrant and dracula was loosely based on him like three or four <laughs> generations removed 
Bram Stoker. Yeah. Right, right, right that. Uh-huh. And he's buried in a place called the Giant's Grave, which is just kind of irritating. But because he's a dwarf, <laughs> is it irony or I don't know. I think mockery. I think, yeah, they're just like, you know, maybe they think that'll keep him in the grave. Mm. But can I tell you a little bit more about him? Sure. So uh, I think his name is supposed to be pronounced Artok, um, which is Irish for dwarf. But you're not supposed to compare. <laughs> Don't confuse him with the similarly named Abertok, who is associated with Finn McCool. So. As, as we all have done so many times. <laughs> oh, gosh. So easy to do. Burned at parties. Oh, yeah, it's uh, so it's just like the worst. It's the worst. But yeah, he's one of the Walking Dead. And you can kill him with a sword made of you wood. Um, again, through the heart. We've heard that before. And you have to bury him upside down. And you have to surround his grave with thorns and place a large stone on top of the grave. So there's this delightful story of him falling to his death as he was spying on his wife who he thought was cheating on him because he was an evil, evil dwarf king. And so they buried him as a, you know, standing up as you do with the king. And he showed up the next day uh, demanding that he be fed blood from all of the villagers. So they killed him again, (laughs) as you do, buried him in the same way. And he popped up again. So this happened a couple of times um, until either a druid or a priest, depending on when you read this story, showed up and told them that they had to bury him in that very specific upside down way. So now you know how to bury a vampire. But yeah, he was supposedly the influence for Bram Stoker's Dracula, not Vlad the Impaler. Uh, I also thought the Lenny and she were kind of interesting. Um, oh, yeah. and. Mm-hmm. I like, they've got a Star Trek reference there that, that made me happy. Oh, what's that? Well, so first off, we should establish what they are. They're sort of somewhere between a succubus and a muse. Mm-hmm. And it's like vampire muses. They'll like find an artist, give him all sorts of like exciting inspiration, and ride him until he goes kind of insane and commits artistic suicide or something along those general lines. I don't know. But they, mm-hmm. they kind of drain the energy out of these artsy people. Just like being a real artist. Yeah. Trading inspiration for love and devotion, but leading to madness and death. But there's a Star Trek Deep Space Nine episode called The Muse, where uh, the same sort of situation is established. There's an alien that gives inspiration, but kind of feeds off life force. Interesting. So they're kind of like the Nancy Spungen of of fairies. I don't have that reference. Uh, It's Sid Vicious. Oh. uh, mm -hmm. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) anywho now we're kind of in sexy fairy territory if you want to talk about some other sexy fairies so there's the glashan uh-huh yeah who's a horse guy Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. he seems sometimes like he's just kind of irritating and other times he's like the creature for the black lagoon but a horse guy right yeah Yeah. there are a lot of a lot of horse people yeah um, that live in the water they feel like when were horses in europe like it's old horses were a Mongolian thing, right? And they like there's there has to be old Irish horses, right? Yeah, I just do, that's a very good question. Like, where did they come from, and where what are they doing? Uh, they've been around since 4500 BC. Okay, hmm. so more yeah, because they're like Shetland Shetland ponies. Wait, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, do you want to talk about other female 
sexy sexy fairies or do I, I mean I like the horse guy, but you can talk about the ladies. And I also have some sexy other sexy men. So what about do- the Dullahan? Oh, yeah, we're going to come to him. I would not call Wait. him a sexy person. Is that not a her? No. I think it's a he. I, oh. So. <laughs> is less sexy to you now? That list lady drives around on a motorcycle and a leather jacket, and like she carries her head in a helmet by her side. That's not Dullahan. There, there may be a gender well, swapped version. I think that's a gender swapped version. Mm hmm. But, well, yeah, we've, we've, got, we've got more on that guy. Yeah, let's. Girl. let's Take him yeah. out of sexy women and put him into death omens. Mm-hmm. It's easy to get but, those categories confused. It's true. Leather jacket. <laughs> we understand. We get it. We so, get it. Okay. Well, se- se- sexy evil fairy women. Yeah. And uh, before we move to dudes, there's the Corrigan. The Corrigan. Mm-hmm. Or the Corrigans. Oh yeah. Wait, I thought they were dwarves. They are. Uh, at least from what I've learned, they are siren-like female fairies who inhabit springs and rivers. I saw that, and mm-hmm. they've got like the long hair thing happening, and it's kind of Lilithy. Yep. But I swear on a stack of Jack Chick tracts that Corgan are <laughs> dwarves. They may be here. I mean, here I think dwarves fit under the realm of fairies. I think right. They are so under that umbrella. They could very well be fa- they could very well be dwarves. So dwarf they're either fairies. either dwarves or lady merpeople. Yeah. So sometimes they are described as important princesses or druidesses who were opposed to Christianity when the apostles converted Brittany. So they're from Breton. Sort of like rebel fairies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like I like that. Rebel fairies. They probably wear little leather jackets too, but like <laughs> with a with kind of a flowy dress, so they're still kind of feminine, hmm. you know? But it's kind of like that sort of tough, soft yeah, you know, yeah. thing going on. I don't. Yeah. Leather, water spirits should not wear leather jackets. No, I bet oh. it would shrink. Mm. Yeah. It could be made out of salmon skin. Oh, that's done. That's done. Mm-hmm. I believe yeah. that. Fish leather. Fish yeah. leather. Fish leather. Mm-hmm. So, of course, uh, they also hate priests, churches, and they really hate the Virgin Mary. Um, they can predict the future, though, and they can change shape. They can um, move at lightning speed. And they would seduce men by singing and combing their hair. And, yes. But, and but I'm bald. Can, <laughs> you're safe. <laughs> Maybe they you're can, safe, John. They're combing their hair. They're, they're oh. hair. Because I guess that's really sexy. I don't know. But they, yeah, so they uh, trick men into falling in love with them um, as they're dancing or combing their hair. And they will... Uh, killed those men and on Samhain you could find them hanging out next to dolmens looking for their next victim they also steal children everybody steals children there's a lot of evil water horses and a lot of mm-hmm. sexy lady mermaids uh, the morgans mm-hmm. are yep. a category of evil sexy mermaids as well mm-hmm. all I know about them is that they're from Scotland yeah so probably another, I, another the same thing yeah, 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 yeah. And um, they're kind of in, in the marrow category of, like, merfolk. I mean, again, they were very malicious. We could talk about their counterpart, the Selkies, in a, in a moment, because they're pretty interesting. Oh. <laughs> you got excited about Selkies? Those are the seals, right? Yes. And so we'll come to them, because I, I have some sexy men I want to talk about. 
But um, the interesting thing about Morgans also is there's some controversy whether or not they are associated with Morgan Le Fay. The answer is probably not. Probably not. They're both named Morgan. Doesn't necessarily mean there's a connection. But it's fun to think about. So can I tell you about some dudes? Sure. Wait, no. I have one more. I have one more possibly sexy woman. Women's. Okay. Woman. Women's. Women's mm-hmm. to add to the story. Uh, it's not really a category. It's more of a goddess. Carmen the witch. Oh yeah, you mentioned you mentioned yeah, Carmen. Yeah, she's pretty mm-hmm. amazing. She's a Celtic witch that stormed in from Athens, Greece. She invaded Ireland during the same period that Tuatha Dé Danann were settling in, so that mm-hmm. stage of the Earth, with her kids whose name were Darkness, Evil, and Violence. Ooh, Do you think uh-huh. we're the baddies? Um, <laughs> so she wiped out all the crops and created just famine everywhere. It was very nasty. And the Tuatha sent four people to challenge her. The god of poetry, a sorceress, a magician, and someone who writes satire. <laughs> <laughs> what, of course but, they did. Yeah. So it's like, stop or I'll Jeffrey Chaw you to death? I'm going to tweet. <laughs> I'm going to tweet. Um, she died around 600 BCE. She had a golden scythe. Her name comes from Carme, which means she who cuts the grain. I almost wonder if that's tied to Kore as well. Probably not. Um, oh, interesting. And the three sons are another one of those triple things that happens a lot with Celtic goddesses. Yeah, 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 yeah. someone reference her as the Celtic goddess of evil magic, but I've only seen that on one website. So I question that one. She might need further study. That sounds pretty interesting. Maybe, maybe. There's not that much on her. I know. I feel like it, we need time to go to the library. <laughs> That's what we need. We need time to go to the library and find yeah. really deep, uh, involved and old books that will tell us more. So I guess when I'm saying sexy, like I'm not this, this is not, I just wanted to kind of categorize, but this actually is kind of the, a stalker, a stalker fairy, <laughs> creeper stalker fairy. If you're into that, <laughs> I guess some people are. So, uh, it's a Goncana. Did you find out anything? No. Have you heard of Goncana? I didn't. So his name means love talker. Oh dear. Okay. Yes, it does. <laughs> and Turn on some Barry um, White. Yeah, <laughs> baby. Um, so he'd seduce maidens, and he would leave them to waste away and die. Oh, yeah. Rude. So he, yeah. So he's. Uh, sometimes he's thought of as um, an incubus, but he's more of a like he actually like plays the long game. Like he follows the woman around, gets to know her and her routines. Um, reads her thoughts so he knows her deepest desires and um then he swoops in and once she touches him she becomes addicted to him and so the uh she she constantly desires him can not stop thinking about him whenever he shows up you know she gives in to whatever he wants her to do and they say sometimes it's at inconvenient times in inconvenient places so she not only ruins her reputation but the reputation of her family and eventually of course he leaves her and she just wastes away for her love for him and um dies <laughs> he's also a huge braggart and kind of feeds this gossip so he's kind of like a the the worst kind of frat boy yeah in fairy form and your friend is dating him <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you don't know what and to she say. Doesn't you know, listen to your advice. 
That's right. And you don't I want to end the friendship. So. Yeah. So, but the creepiest thing about this, given everything I've told you, everything I've told you. Fairly creepy. W.B. Yates used that as a pseudonym. Ew. Yeah. That's Isn't weird. That gross? Yeah, a little bit. That's so gross. Hmm. So his opposite, who's not so sexy, but very, very sweet, like he's kind of the, the good guy that gets shafted because the girl always falls for the bad boy, is um, the Gilly Doo. Oh, yeah. I've heard that name mm-hmm. before. Yeah. So he is the namesake of the Gilly suit. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because he would hide in the woods. He would be covered in, in leaves and twigs. And he was a solitary male fairy. We're going to. There's a few of these around, um, but he was different from uh, the Gankana because he was kindly. He had a gentle devotion to children, and he but he would punish adults that would come into his domain. But if children were wandering through or lost in the woods, he would help them get home. Okay, okay. So he's kind of like the the guy you should have gone to gone to prom with. So he's like the ducky to uh, the other guy in Pretty in Pink. The one she ended up with. Spoiler. Sorry. I'm a girl. (laughs) It's been a few days since that film came out. We're good. (laughs) It's true. I don't even know if anybody watches that anymore. But yeah, so those are the sexy, sexy fairies. Do you want to talk about leprechauns? I didn't actually do any research on leprechauns. They're green and probably more interesting than I think they are. I... I think, like, modern consensus on leprechauns is the tourists ruined them. Yes. and Everything is just like, oh, yeah, okay, let's paint a leprechaun on this, let's put a leprechaun on that, you know, charge you five pounds and we're done. Mm -hmm. I think, think from what I've read is they were a minor character, which just got monetized, and now everyone's done with them. Except the tourists. Well, uh, there's a leprechaun museum in dublin Uh, and we went to it a few years ago many many years ago and i asked the guy about the name and he said well and it's actually a museum of folklore so you know they walk you through all these you know important tales in the in the museum he said we just called it the leprechaun museum because we knew that would bring people in right yeah yeah well there's a little bit more to the leprechaun than you may imagine Okay. Yes. So uh, there's actually like three things that are kind of leprechaun-ish. So there's the leprechaun proper, and then there's the clericon and the far derrick. Okay. So, yeah. So they're all very similar. There's so much of that going around. They're really, really. So, but the <laughs> one of the differences, uh, two of them were red. And, of course, the leprechaun is always depicted as wearing green, but originally he wore red as well. So, The same root as the red cap. Probably not. Those are evil. Yeah. Uh-huh. Nope. They're also called, the chloricon specifically wore a little red cap. Oh, that's not a good sign. But they weren't really evil. They were pranksters, but they love to drink. So they're often hanging around breweries and pubs and wine cellars. And, um, but they could be very loyal to whoever they're attached to. And they're often depicted carrying a jug of I ale. Love, I love you, man. I love you. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. And they're often uh, carrying a magical purse um, with a lucky shilling or a pewter beggar's cup. And they can keep spending that shilling over and over again, and it keeps showing up in their purse. But that's why 
the whole like pot of gold. You try to capture him to get his magical shilling. <laughs> There's only one. Mm-hmm. The one shilling, but you only need one. Um, there can be only one. Uh, the leprechaun is uh, supposedly, I mean, he's very similar to the clericon specifically, but originally he he was more of a sober figure. So that was the difference between the two. He's often connected to Lepercalia in some cases and, and the god Lou that we talked about last time. Oh, those aren't, surely those aren't related. That's, I think it's like, yeah, it's probably. Okay. Yeah, it's it's probably wrong, but okay. in, sometimes they are. But also the name might refer to a size um, instead of just Lou or Lupercal- but Lupercalia. But the other dude in all of this... Oh, wait, wait. There's a little bit more about leprechauns. So um, they actually have been part of the Irish oral tradition and way before written history or written folklore. And in the in they became you know part of they they were in uh, medieval or high middle ages epic poems, but the reason how the, how you know this is by their name showing up in a lot of place names. So there's like um, Leprechaun Pub, <laughs> Leprechaun, the leprechaun Land, Museum. yeah, the Leprechaun uh-huh. Museum. Yeah, can I so, get a slice of knock- Leprechaun Pie, please? <laughs> Tastes like bananas. Knocknalorican in County Waterford, and there's some other places. But yeah, so they've been around for a while. But as you say, you know, they sort of took on this kind of party city thing later yeah. in the 20th century. But the Far Derek, which are the Red Men, they're kind of considered the evil leprechaun. So maybe this is your red cap reference. Right, right. They dyed their, mm-hmm. dyed their hats in the blood of their people they killed that week. Evil, yes. Evil haberdashery going on there. Or wouldn't yes, their hats uh-huh. be brown? We had to keep the blood fresh. Oh, that is evil. Yeah. <gasps> Ooh. Um, but yeah, they these guys, uh, the one good thing about the, the Far Derrick is that they could, if they wanted to, release people who became trapped in fairyland. So there's stories of them, but people appealing to the far Derek to to let them out. They're also sometimes called the rat boys because they look kind of like rats. They are rather fat, have dark hairy skin, long snouts and skinny tails. And so ah. again, they like to they like to change replace babies with changelings and they have a connection to nightmares and they will they'll ask to come into people's houses. They'll come to your house late at night, knock on your door, come into your house, ask for a sandwich. And it's really, really bad luck if you say no to them. But um, there's also a cemetery-ish leprechaun called a, a Moros, which is uh, from Celtic Galatia, and they are guarders of the tomb. And they, too, are yeah, associated with treasure. The treasures of the tomb. Exactly, yeah. The um, Going all the way back to our Voice of the Mummy game. But yeah, so so that's that's what I know about leprechauns. There's more to leprechauns than I guess. Like I had kind of passed them off as as touristy, and I guess I guess there is some some hidden treasury depth. Mm-hmm. And I think they are kind of that uh, that thing that you know the sort of gateway. If it's if they're used properly, they can be kind of a gateway to to deeper gateway other folklore. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know if I mentioned this. 
book in another episode that I probably have, but there's an Austin, Texas writer who worked on some Star Wars films, too. His name is uh, Robert Cargill. Oh, how do I know that name? Have you mentioned him? I might have blown you the book, but he has two books. Yeah, Uh Dreams and Shadows is one, and Queen of Dark Things is the second one. And they're both kind of modern urban fiction, but very dark, about um, a little boy magician who's not Harry Potter at all, um, who has to kind of face off against very authentic-feeling fae. It's a neat series. So when you say authentic feeling fae, what do you mean? People die a lot and they don't oh. care. Okay. <laughs> yeah. The fae's don't care? The fae's don't care. The fae's like, don't care. Yeah, like mm-hmm. one of the earlier encounters in the book is uh, someone has to ward a family against La Llorona, who's just oh, killing okay. people by Lake Austin because it's what she does. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's Lake Austin. Yeah. Right. So I'm sure you've noticed that uh, I've said that fairies of all stripes tend to uh, take babies. Yes, yes. And replace them with fairies. Mm-hmm. Yes, they're very tender. And there are a lot of reasons for that, potentially. With-, with fairy, with fairy, either fairy babies or in some cases, uh, fairies that are at the end of their lives. Well, that's nice. Oh. Uh huh. To oh. give them like a nice place to retire, that's, you know. That's gently mm-hmm. horrible. They're forever home. But I think we're going to talk about that in another episode, right? I think so. Tease okay. the uh, tease the dead baby episode again. Yes, because I mean, they're yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so enough about changelings for now. Do you guys want to talk more about harbingers of death? I do. Oh, you know, actually, before we do that, you know what we need to do. No. Kids, kids, the Slewer are back. Oh, I Yay. thought they were Harbingers of Death. Oh, well, okay, so let's go into... Okay. But no, 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 they're... they're but they're more, a good bridge. Yeah, they're, they're a good bridge. They're not really mm-hmm. so much... Har- uh, like, they're not an omen of death. They're just death. Okay, so let's talk yeah. about... So, and, and, and Jamin, did you get my reference? It was specifically for you. No, I... I did it for you, no. Jamin. I didn't get it. Can you didn't explain the joke it. to me so it's funnier? It's a it's a far side cartoon. Kids, kids, the slugs are back. Oh. Okay. I think I've linked uh-huh. that one recently too. <laughs> <laughs> Dear Jerry Larson. This is my gift we're coming to you. For you. <laughs> Jamin? So the Slua, I think they're probably what the Unseelie were in Scotland, because they're kind of a Scottish myth. And in their original incarnation, they were just the really awful Fae. Like monster Fae that that were just horrible and very ill-tempered and ill-mannered. Mm-hmm. But when the Christian monks took over and started re-mythologizing things, they became the unforgiven dead. Oh, okay. Yeah. So like, un- so, okay. So explain to me the difference between what unforgiven dead are. Sorry. There's no difference here. Well, in this just case, tell me about them. in this case, they're kind of uh, the hosts of the underworld sort of thing. They're um, these swarming things that move like the wind and we'll mm-hmm. and i want to clarify host as in crowd not host as in polite podcast person. host yeah right because we're the hosts of hell too in a certain sense mm-hmm. right. like a host of angels yeah like that right. but mm-hmm. not nice at all well and yeah. right. i do say three's a crowd so we're a host of hosts we are a host of hosts we're a host we are the slua of the most anyway oh, so well, we'll edit that in post <laughs> So these things kind of, they, they're, 
there's toast. There's deathly, scrawny, leathery, spectry things that swarm through the air and fight in the skies. And there's a tradition in parts of probably Scotland of during a wake, you always keep the west door closed because they would break into the west door and steal souls when no. someone dies. Yeah, they're really very. There's this kind of this mass of these damned souls or too proud to be forgiven souls. I don't know that just destroy things. They sometimes appear as huge flocks of ravens. There's some sort of vague synergy between them and the wild hunt. They just act the same. I don't know. They will kill just about everything. Innocent people, bad people, cattle, cats, dogs, and so on. Quote from a monk, The spirits fly around in great clouds up and down the face of the world like the starlings and come back to the scenes of their earthly transgressions. No soul of them is without the clouds of the earth. In bad nights, the slua shelter themselves behind ragwood stalks and fight battles in the air as men do on earth. Anyway, so yeah, these huge swarming flocks of the host of the dead. Um, they're very demonic sounding, like kind of broke out of hell and are trying to screw up the real world. Mm-hmm. You can summon them by oh shit! Uh, you can summon them by saying the word slua. Uh, so we're screwed, or at least I'm screwed. <laughs> We've all I've said it. Yeah, they can also mm-hmm. be summoned by deep and profound sadness. So that's nice. <laughs> oh, they're like the Dementors. Yeah, yeah, kind of like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's an article on Folklore Thursday that says they also kidnap people and spirited them away, which could be one of those kind of mythologizing for abuse or alcoholism or mental illness. There is a lot of that. Mm -hmm. There is a lot of that. And sometimes they kidnap people and just drop them from a high place. They die. They like doing that. And sometimes they kidnap people and make them like shoot other people with their fairy poison arrows. So they make other people shoot the arrows. Sometimes. Or they're just horrible. Okay. Uh, In one story from Scotland, they sucked the child's soul out as they have a habit of doing and dropped its lifeless body from a great height. The body was found crushed and broken in the family's garden the next day. Duh. Hmm. So they're they're pretty horrible, but I have a theory, which I haven't seen the literature reference, which is that mm-hmm. if they're the spirits of the unforgiven dead, can we just forgive them? You know, it would seem that that would be the simplest right, route. Right, like the power of love sort of thing. Yeah, uh-huh. It's kind of like every uh, movie or a TV show from the... 50s where there's the cranky old man and you know if you just invite him to the christmas party it'll it'll change his heart i think that's what the style like they just want to come inside and and have some fruitcake right 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 yeah like like christmas but much eviler mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the monks yep. uh-huh. may have ruined everything because yep. the slow may have been something but if they're the unforgiven if the whole concept of like this whole new infrastructure of religiosity, which is taking over everybody, aka Christianity, mm-hmm. it's like, well, you must be forgive. You must accept the forgiveness. Look at those foul creatures who didn't accept the forgiveness. They are the unforgiven. Yep. Thus, dear okay. listener. Thus, little boys yeah. and girls, you better do yourself right. And that's Dante too. I mean. Mm. Right. You know, there's the refusal to accept grace, right? That is right. damning. So it's like, we can souls. forgive them all day long. It's, it's their fault. Uh-huh. They didn't accept it. Gotcha. You got to yeah. eat the crackers and the grape juice. Mm-hmm. 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 
Can I talk about a nice harbinger of doom that helps to prevent doom before we talk about some more dark things? Sure. So I mentioned the knockers earlier. And yeah. Wait, uh-huh. leather jacket? What? <laughs> they were tiny little minor costumes. Yeah. They're like the spelunkers in the um the runaway mine train ride or I don't even know if this ride still exists. Or no, was it the mon- there was a ride at Six Flags that had oh, it was called the Spelunker Cave. It was a dark ride that had the little spelunkers. And I think they they were probably like based on knockers. And there's a sort of ambivalence about them as to whether yep. they're good or bad, which I think you get whenever you're dealing with like the spirits of the dead, which they definitely fall into that category. Mm-hmm. The overlap mm-hmm. between ancestor ghosts and and Fae. Yeah. And um so Jamin, do you know what the knockers do? Knock. They yeah. <laughs> they do. Good job. Good job. So <laughs> when they're not when they're not pay- playing pranks like uh blowing out candles and stealing sandwiches or drinking manischewitz. And <laughs> they, yes, we'll get we'll we'll talk a little bit about that. They are sometimes knocking to show miners where there are uh good veins of tin for them to to dig. And they will also knock if a mine collapse is about to happen. So they warn of danger and they also like help the miners find ore. But the thing about the Manischewitz, it's believed that, yes, they are the souls of the dead. They may be miners or they may be the souls of enslaved Jews who were forced to work in the mines uh, by the Romans. Hmm. Even though I don't think Manischewitz was invented. Then. I was going to say, what does what does Mad Dog 2020 have to do with? <laughs> I'm not Manischewitz is not tasty. <laughs> I'm not entirely certain about this, but I think that the like one of the uniquely American face species, the gremlin, I think they're mm-hmm. descended from the knockers as well. They must be, and the knockers exist in the U.S. too because they came over right. with uh, the Cornish miners who right. came over, and so they started in Pennsylvania and moved west as you know, mining gold rush and mining started happening in the west, and. When the Cornish miners who are already here would send over for family members to come over, they would always ask if the knockers were present. They wouldn't work unless the knockers were there. That's not ambiguous. That's that's a very positive thing. Mm-hmm. Huh. Mm-hmm. And so this this belief persisted until at least the 1950s. Huh. Mm-hmm. And the movie, the Stephen King novel, Tommy Knockers, because in the U.S. they're called Tommy Knockers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're supposed to leave some of your lunch them specifically yep. like a bit of pastry mm-hmm. that's important yeah you stick it to the wall right yeah <laughs> uh-huh. you can do that with 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 pasties wait mm-hmm. talking about pasties or pasties both i think they're called i think they're set they're pasties called pasties because i get pasties but- and knockers confused in my head <laughs> right. now we already went we already talked about the sexy fairies okay okay uh-huh we're on to the ones that well i mean i think some some people might find tiny guys the record little uh he made the joke it wasn't hot. me <laughs> <laughs> I know it's kind of funny that he did, huh? Anywho, uh, so yeah, <laughs> the little burlesque burly cue fairies. But going back to the darker figures, so Jamin, you mentioned the Dullahan and your fantasies about. <laughs> <I did> <laughs> so, well, let's talk mm-hmm. about the Dullahan in a minute. They, it, okay. he, she. I learned a word. Just now, yep. while researching Dullahan on the sly while you were talking about leprechauns or something. Um, Somewhat. Yeah. Uh, my voice. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Uh-huh. There's a word. Are you ready? Yes. Cephalophore. Cephalophore? Cephalophore. Cephalophore. D. C E P H A L O. Cephalophore. Cephalophore. Uh-huh. Does that mean like somebody who holds their own head? Somebody that holds their own head. Oh my god, there's a word for there's that? There's a word for this. Now this is, and I, I want to specifically mention this because saints that have been martyred are often painted or sculpted holding their own heads, and they are the cephalophores. Wow. And so when we eventually talk, when we share podcast time with the Saints podcast, I want to have this conversation. It's like, yes, guys, I know all about Saints. Look, there's one. Him hold him head. So St. Agatha, the patron saint of bakers, is a mammalophore? Oh. So oh. holding a breast? Yeah. Okay. It's what the, do you call... Um, it's the bun... The bun. It looks like a breast. The breast. That's looks like a, a breast. Bun. Oh. So in her story, she had to cut off her breasts, and she's carrying them on a plate. So now she's the painter saint at Baker's because the little bun. We have wow. been over this like three times. <laughs> oh yeah. I guess I haven't paid attention. Saint who? I'm going to do great in this. Agatha. Class. So okay. So what do you call it? Because Saint Lucy has her little her, the eyes on her plate, right? Well, Ocula for. Ocula for. So we could just call like blank for right for whatever body part a saint yeah. is holding on a plate. Nostrula for. <laughs> Those are boobs. The unsaint. <laughs> bit slow to the party there. <laughs> <laughs> the bread is made out of people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry to derail you. It's a good word. No, we need to, and yes, we need to, we need to invite um, over the, the Saint podcast and play Red Rover. And cut off their heads. <laughs> Shh. I mean, <clears throat> share delicious cake. Hey guys, I made you mm-hmm. some buns. <laughs> what that, no, that's not a nipple, that's a peach. Oh. Oh. Oh dear. This changes everything. Do you want to know more about the Doolahan, uh, the. I don't think we really scratched the Doolahan very much. So, the Death Coach. Yep. Mm-hmm. The, is it? Wait, that's that's the Anku as well, but. Wait, Quest of Your. The Doolahan is like super gothy, like he's the gothiest of goths. From from the Great Bard Wiki, his mouth is usually in a hideous grin that touches both sides of his head. The eyes are constantly moving around to see the countryside, even in the darkest nights. The flesh of the head is said to have the color and consistency of moldy cheese. Moldy cheese. Now, and you, for the record, it says citation needed. It does. <laughs> for the moldy cheese? For the moldy cheese. I read this. We don't know the texture of his head. For sure. Dullahan okay. is conjecture. The, the Dullahan is believed to use the spine of a human corpse for a whip, and its wagon is adorned with funeral objects. It has candles and skulls to light the way. The spokes of the wheels are made of thigh bones, and the wagon's covering is made from a worm-chewed human skin. Pretty fly. Gross. Yeah, I like it. Gross. Um, mm-hmm. And mention the, the comic series Fables, which is about what would happen if fairy tale characters were real characters living in New England. Mm-hmm. And Doolahan is like the major bad guy for the second major plot arc. So he's pretty dark oh, wow. and hard to get away. They, they finally like encase him in gold at the end. Oh, wow. Okay. Which works. That's part of his legend. 
I didn't know that. So you encase him in gold? Well, he hates, he hates gold. Oh, okay. Okay. My encounter with a lot of these figures came as it did for a lot of people of my age from the movie Darby O'Gill and the Little People. If <laughs> <laughs> you watched, I haven't seen it since I was a kid. And I was wondering, I wonder if it holds up. <laughs> I'm guessing not. <laughs> Probably not. But so he's also thought to be the embodiment of the Celtic fertility god Crom Dove because Crom Dove also demanded human lives every year as a sacrifice. That mm-hmm. story doesn't quite make sense. Crom Dove was a big okay. evil dude. Crom Crom Dove died. All the demons went to go get Crom Dove's soul. But St. Mm-hmm. Patrick protected him, fought the demons, kicked them back, and then he became a gross headless horseman with a moldy head cheese head. Like, sure. It's like up, down, up, down, St. Patrick, up, down. Like, it does not follow logically. But, I mean, isn't that how life goes? Like, one minute demons are coming after your soul, another minute. Your head is cheese and your headless horseman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, before you know it, you know. But so, like, uh, St. Both- Patrick did all his meddling and still nothing changed. We still got grumpy dude. Right, I mean, but I, again, like, I, I, I stand firm in my <laughs> assertion that St. Patrick <laughs> was, was uh, had questionable methods and questionable uh, reportage of his feats. But yeah, and also supposedly Crom Dove, the reason why he doesn't have a head is because that was typically how his uh, his sacrifices were killed. We're going into some folk horror territory here, aren't we? Yeah, we are. We are. What about so the Anku is also you mentioned him earlier as very similar to the Dillahan. Yeah, he's kind of nice, though. I mean, he is the Grim Reaper for all practical intents mm-hmm. and purposes, but he's like a very homey local boy hero Grim Reaper, and I like that a lot. He reminds me of the story of how the Grim Reaper had Carantisa, the wife, and the kiddo, and the grandmother, and the dog. Mm-hmm, like, he's a very mm-hmm. human death, and I, I love that. Yeah, yeah. And again, he's kind of like a banshee, because if you would hear his carriage creaking, then you knew that the end was near. And right. I think the Dullahan called out names. Bob! Bob! <laughs> exactly. And so if you heard your name being called, then that meant that you were a goner. The Anku has a scythe. He's on a black coach to collect the dead. Four black mm-hmm. horses accompanied by two ghostly figures on foot. May or may not be Kane. Oh. Depending on who you ask. Yeah. It's been a while oh. since we've had, the, had Kane in as a reference. Right. Yeah. So he also is associated with Thanatos. Yeah, I think they're they're mm-hmm. that's that's kind of where I was where I was going. He's like that mo- the sort of modern intimate death, right? Mm-hmm. He's sometimes the last person to die in a community or a village in the year. Mm-hmm. So the last the last death of the year becomes the next year's Anku. But that doesn't sound like a curse. That sounds like a gift almost because you know, like the the person takes you to your final is going to be someone that you, you knew. You know, it might be granddad that died last year or something like that. I mean, he might be a real jerk, too. But, <laughs> I mean, but this is a member of the community and that's that's neat. That, yeah. That's pretty cool. So it's kind of like Mardi Gras when you get the baby and the king cake. Yeah, who gets the bean? Next year. Become the uh-huh. death. 
<laughs> or like being mayor of Hell, Michigan. Although sometimes he's a skeleton with a spinning head. Yeah, that doesn't seem as friendly. Unless it makes that little kind of like, well, I hope so. sound. I just hope Yeah, he's a lot friendlier than the Dullahan, so sorry he may not be as sexy to you, Jamin. How, it, big, how big is the Dullahan's myth? Because I have him very big in my head. Like, I don't know what kind of a character he is in terms of, like, folklore saturation. So he is the he is the allegedly the the headless horseman in the U.S. is based on Doolahan, and also I mean he was in Darby O'Gill and the Little People. So he, he does pass the Darby important. test, yeah. Yeah, he passes the Darby test. You got the you got a banshee, you got a Doolahan, you got a puka. I don't know who else is in there. Well, the Little People, right? The titular Little People. Yes, that's true. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what about the fetch? Did you learn anything about the fetch? The fetch is your own like death reflection, sort of, yep. right? You mm-hmm. see yourself and then you die. Mm-hmm. Just like so, real life. Creepy. <laughs> yeah. So freaking creepy. But also, supposedly, if you, it depends on the time of day when you see it, whether or not you're going to die. Because sometimes it can be that you're going to have a long life. Like it's it, if it's in the morning, you're going to have a long life. Yeah, or um, if you're a narcissist, you know. Got date, got a date plan now. <laughs> and sometimes they are seen by family members rather than the person themselves. And sometimes they actually reflect how the person's going to die, like the Final Destination movies. Yeah. So uh, the name is derived from the phrase fetch life. So it is considered like a psychopomp, essentially, because it is there to collect as well as warn or portend collect or guide Mm -hmm. Uh, if they're a psychopomp are they harvesting or accompanying Mm. i would say fetch is accompanying like you're coming to pick them up right you're not pulling them you're just kind of like hey your ride's here you know, <laughs> basically, your Uber driver Uber of the underworld of has arrived. <laughs> Uber black. Chad, your Uber Uber driver of death has arrived. We do have the name of the devil's mother. <gasps> what is the devil's mother's name? Quirinoc. Really? Yes. The fire spitter. Oh, wow. Um, okay. This goes back to the category of unruly chaos beasties like mm-hmm. Tiamat's of the world and right may echo that but she's an ancient evil thing that's older than ireland the mother of all kinds of demons and evils probably that like slew are tied to her as well the mother of the devil uh her lair was a doorway to hell and when saint patrick came to ireland and said oh look at all this evil what do i do jesus <laughs> jesus do you have any thoughts jesus said Go to this cave. It's the portal to hell. And close it down. By the way, there might be a horrible dragon there. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So St. Patrick went there, and this horrible fire-breathing monster thing made him thirsty with its fiery breath, which seems kind of underachieving. <laughs> um, in one version, there's a fairly epic battle where he defeats the guardian and seals up the cave, and he gets eaten by the beast, but cuts himself out with his crozier. Which is tricky. They don't have a cutting edge. 
Yeah, they're kind of like fiddlehead ferns, really, right? <laughs> right. His is. Right, right. There's another version where he just like makes the Vorish sign and the lake eats her. Oh, which okay. Which is a little less anticlimactic, more a little more anticlimactic, I think. Mm-hmm. Did he make a wee 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 noise? No, I think he it? just like did I. I'm about to make like three anime gestures, and then he, then the like thing dies. You know. <laughs> Do you know the dance of the bees? Oh right! <laughs> That's from a long time ago. I'll have to. You sent me just the clip of the dance of the bees once, so we'll have to post that for sure. Um. Wow. Okay. So I don't know. Like I feel, yeah, there's a lot to explore with all the supposed battles that St. Patrick had with supposed demons. Oh, St. Patrick, such a busy alleged, body. Alleged demons. Mm-hmm. There's another banshee figure too called the Kihira. That's the, it's Welsh. It's again, a wraith whose moaning voice pretends that someone's going to die. And it sounds kind of like somebody actually, like at the size of somebody who's deathly ill. So oftentimes these were heard before, this this cry was heard before a shipwreck. So this figure is associated with shipwrecks. And the sound would be accompanied by a corpse light to kind of warn of, you know, the impending impending shipwreck. So this figure, as well as the Banshee, another interesting thing about them is even if you've left your the homeland you will still hear it so it wails for people who have even who've left wales or ireland transcontinental wailing yes and another significant aspect of both these figures that we didn't talk about last time is that they were also uh, associated with emigration so you know when in the 19th and early 20th century when people were leaving ireland not <laughs> because hey i got a job but out of like starvation and poverty uh, it was a very sad occasion. Mm. So you would banshees would also wail when somebody was going to emigrate. Because in many cases, you might never see the person again. So as a theory, okay, how wide is the Atlantic Ocean? You're dealing with reality right now, no, and that's is, really not is, my this is important. <laughs> wheelhouse. Okay. So the Atlantic Ocean is 17... 17- is one thousand about two thousand miles across, depending on where mm-hmm. you are, and the speed of sound is seven hundred seventy miles per hour. Okay. So theoretically, if you had emigrated from Ireland to Boston, it would take three hours for the sound of the banshee to reach you if it's transmitted as normal sound and isn't spooky action at a distance, like particle. I forget the word for particles bound together. Um, mm-hmm. So if the banshee prophesizes your death and it occurs in less than three hours, does the sound reach you after you die, or before? See what you've done there. Well, no, it's an important question, because, like, could two captive banshees be used to establish a communication system that operates instantaneously? You just kill your friends when you want to let them know dinner's ready. (laughs) (laughs) So they're like cups on a a string, two banshees. (laughs) Are are tachyons involved? (laughs) Oh, man. But here's the difference, because banshees aren't really foretelling your death, per se, neither is this other figure, but because, oh. like, the fetch is doing that, as is the Doolahan and the Anku, but they're just foretelling death, 
Like, oh. somebody's gonna die! Well, that's safe. It's... Mm-hmm. So I... <laughs> right, it's like the Spark song. Like, <laughs> I predict, like... <laughs> <laughs> the song, <laughs> the song will fade out. <laughs> Somebody's gonna die. <laughs> but yeah, so you might see the banshee when your family member's gonna like in Darby O'Gill and the Little People. The banshee shows up to this guy who, uh, as his daughter is about to die, and spoiler alert for everybody who hasn't seen the movie: banshee shows up. He fights the banshee or tries to fight the banshee, and in the process, the Doolahan shows up. And takes him instead. Can't escape Bowman's. No, but it, he's finally, he's freed by the Fairy King, so everything's okay. You can escape omens. <laughs> omens are to be fucked with. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a very moving sequence in Darby O'Gill and the Little People. We've talked about Harbingers. Do we want to take a moment to talk about my favorite shapeshifter of all time? Is this the Selkie? Oh, shoot. We did not Didn't talk about Selkies. Shield people. What? Shield people. Okay, so we all have things we want to bring up. What are the shield okay. people? The Selkies. Yes, the seal people. Seal so, people. I think it's shale. I was, there are like some sh- some shell-wearing people that I did not talk about. I wasn't even talking about can... shells. I was talking about shield. Oh, oh vowels. How you've done us wrong, vowels. Let's talk about the Selkie now. Okay, let's talk about the Selkie because we already talked a little about a little bit about Merfolk, right? Yeah. So, so I got really excited earlier when you said the word Selkie because there's an absolutely gorgeous song called "Still Catch the Tide." It's hmm. by Shanae McGuire, and 15 seconds of it sounds something like this. Uh, it's just a very pretty kind of retelling of the Selkie story about a woman that uh, steals the, the Selkie's uh, fur coat or whatever um, to bind mm-hmm. him. But what she ultimately ends up doing is binding herself to him so thoroughly that she'll never be able to be like a whole person again. It's a gorgeous song. There's also the movie, The Secret of Rowan Inish. Yeah, it's been a while. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Does The Secret of Rowan Inish pass the Darby test? <sighs> yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. I, that's it may be worth watching both of them again. One more, one may be more enjoyable than the other, and I'm not going to say which one. <laughs> we'll let the listeners decide. <laughs> But yeah, so you've already uh, touched on some key features of the Selkie, that they are shapeshifters who can move from human to seal form. But the way that they do that is with their seal skin. So they could come ashore and shed their seal skin and they can then interact with humans, most often like in the form of being a wife or lover. Um 
unfortunately, human males will often trap the female selkies and take them to be wives and the mothers of their children and hide their sealskin so that they cannot go back to the sea. But these stories often end with somehow either the children finding the sealskin or the wife and her immediately departing and leaving. But yeah. they can come back and visit. But it's typically like every seven years mm. that they will do that. It seems like they're a very, like there's evil spirits and there's good spirits. These are like tragic spirits. Right. It's very tragic. But then there are stories of the male Selkies who come ashore and have liaisons with unhappy women. So there are rituals that uh, young girls and unhappy married women would uh, partake in to have to call the selkies from the sea. And that usually was like shedding seven tears into the ocean. Hmm. So you could call up your sexy selkie lover boy. There's a song called the Bonnie ship, the diamond. It's about, horny whalers <laughs> um got a great the last line is really pretty or don't you weep my bonnie last though you'll be left behind for the rose will grow on greenland's ice before we change our mind they're trying to keep these sailors to them mm, mm-hmm. and there's kind of they're like this is a very like up with whalers song um up up with whalers it'll be bright both day and night when the greenland lads come home our ship full up with oil my lads and money to our name We'll make the cradles for to rock and the blankets for to tear. And every lass in Peterhead sings Hushabye, my dear. Aww. <laughs> I, I like the song. It actually, it's a fun song, but it's not a nice song. So every, what is it, Peterhead? Peterhead, the city. Oh, oh, gotcha. Okay, okay. Yeah. The song of the horny whalers. <laughs> it's a lovely tune. Do you know the legend of who who becomes selkies? Well, I was They're- just le- looking at Wikipedia. <laughs> mm-hmm. Weren't there was twins uh, or triplets? It's sinners. Oh. Yes, sinners, fallen angels in some cases, or sometimes shipwrecked Spaniards or Milesians, and the, the, they were believed, like, after a shipwreck to be taken for shapeshifters. Like, so, so say, bodies wash ashore, and um, they may be taken for... Uh, for selkies that have been shed of their skins. And, but also there's a connection to like Inuit people or Sami people who have would come, you know, come ashore and take off their seal skins and dra- to dry them. So there was this right. sense of like their shapeshifters as well. So, um, but the sad thing is, uh, this also might, you know, the, there, there are several families who claim to be descended from the selkies because they have, you know, webbing between their hands and their feet. So often, you know, a lot of this could just be attributed to birth defects that are explained away as them being seal people. Do I get to talk about my favorite shape? Yes, sure. Of all we, time? we digressed on the selkies long enough. So, Victoria, mm-hmm. what's your favorite shapeshifter? My favorite shapeshifter of all times is the puka. Oh. Yes, I love me a puka. And pukas, they're sometimes considered demons, but they're typically not not necessarily malicious. They can also be protective, but they are pranksters. Right. And sometimes these pranks can go a little awry. 
but Bugs they often, Bunny sort of style. <laughs> yeah, and you bring up Bugs Bunny, so one of the main shapes that a puka takes is a rabbit. Mm-hmm. So they could be rabbits, they could be horses, uh, they could be goats or cows, they could even be human. A human being can also be a puka. But they are known to kind of hang out on the road at night and accost drunks, anybody who's kind of happening by who might be a little out of their wits. And sometimes if they're in the shape of something that can be ridden, they will take that person on a wild ride through the night and kind of toss them off in the morning and the person will have no idea what happened to them. But they are uh, also sometimes just like really chatty figures that will they'll hang out by the by the front stoop of a house and tell whoever's passing by the the story of the the people in the house and how they lost their reputation or lost their fortune so that's great they will talk for hours they will talk for hours and hours and hours there's a lot of places named for the puka in in Ireland puka de beppo <laughs> Oh my god, that is so funny. I would eat there. I would I would eat there, definitely. Don't ask the and waiter about the menu. It's just <laughs> full of lies. So the whole all you can eat thing is actually like it's, <laughs> it's all yeah. I can eat and I'm a rabbit. <laughs> waiter, there's a hair in my food. Ow, it's me. Zing. They're associated with Samhain as well, and um, November 1st is considered Puka Day. Oh. So oh. we need to start celebrating Puka Day. Yes. Mm-hmm. So he's associated with, or, you know, a, a Puka is associated with a harvest or traditional customs that uh, the when, there's, when there is a harvest, the farmers need to leave behind a few stalks for the Puka. And it's called the Puka Share. And yep. if not, the Puka the Share? Puka- like I never share. put those. Hmm, never mind. I'm dumb. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you'll get in trouble if you don't do that. But there's also a story about blackberries with the puka. Um, they peed on them. Wait, you should. Do- <laughs> I think these are probably related because this one involves berries that have died in a frost. You shouldn't eat because the puka spit. On oh, that's them. unkind. Yeah. So. <laughs> he doesn't piss on hospitality, but he does spit on it. Unfortunately, some of the places named for pukas, like puka, the puka, what is it? The um, puka, puka pools or pola puka, which means puka or demon hole, <laughs> which is a great name. Let's go swim in demon hole. I'm going to Google um, that right now and see what turns up. <laughs> do, do it on your work computer. But those were uh, when Christi- when Christians and the monks came to Ireland. Those were quickly changed to be like St. Uh, Patrick's Wells. When you Google, when <laughs> I'm you not going to Google Demon Hole. When you Google Demon Hole, you get evil clowns. <laughs> Ass. <laughs> That's what you get. So the they're compared to the and here you can make your joke again. The Book of Cornwall, um, which also could have they they took the form of eel like mermen. And they are also known as the Bookaboos, um, a kind of boogeyman uh, that was used to keep children in line. And so Booka has actually been kind of reappropriated by modern Wiccans, interestingly enough. But um, there's a lot of famous Bookas. Like Bugs Bunny? 
Well, I would say he's probably a puka. Has anybody has anybody seen the movie Harvey? Yes, yes, with, Jim, with Jimmy Stewart. So that's a puka. Harvey's a puka. There's of course the puka and Donnie Darko. What, oh, was that a puka? That's a puka. Yes, it was. Mm-hmm. Is it Frank? Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting. Like potentially, he may not be a puka, but they kind of took a puka trope mm-hmm. with the yeah. rabbit. You know. There's also Puck in Midsummer Night's Dream. Puck is a puka. Oh, yeah, it's a puka based on a puka. I that's where but the my word came favorite, from. Yeah, my favorite is the Puka McFellamy and at Swim Two Birds, what? which is Wait, a novel. Uh, my favorite puka is the Puka McFellamy in uh, Flann O'Brien's At Swim Two Birds, and he is not a nice character. <laughs> he is actually kind of the personification of of the devil in that book, and he is delightful. So yeah, so I'm a big fan of big fan of the puka. The puka, of course, is not to be confused with the kelpie, which takes a uh, primarily a horse form and is made of and- kelp. <laughs> Ergo, the name it makes all make sense now. Mm-hmm. I always get the kelpie confused with the selkie, right? But however, unlike like the selkie and the puka, the kelpie will you know take. There, take somebody on a wild ride and then kill them and eat them. Why are there so many evil horse water horses? I don't know. I I really wonder about this. Like, why, why water horses? But, um, I mean, there's there's an idea that there are like the cryptids, yeah, of 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 the the Celtic uh Air, Celtic Isles so, are actually like related to so- to Nessie. So there is a horse that lives under the water that will drag you I, to your death regularly. I think it's like that one of these one of these cryptids is uh, potentially a giant sea otter that's actually this prehistoric creature that still may exist in the bottom of some of these bodies of water. So potentially, like given you know just not knowing what this thing or is, perhaps it's like you just oh. you just described a carnivorous manatee. <laughs> yeah, but there actually is a carnivorous otter that's a cryptid that kills people. That is uh, was part of my research. So the kelpie has uh, reversed hooves, which is really kind of creepy, that's odd. and yeah. yeah, and a sticky hide, so that if you yeah. get hold of the kelpie, then you can't let go. So there's a story. Oh, and this also is really creepy. The kelpie can elongate its spine so that it can accommodate oh, extra, many riders. Extra riders. Smart. Yes. That's so smart. you know, it's Ugh. you know, mm-hmm. so he gets like you know three meals in one. So there's a story of these kids, like these these three children who, uh, or maybe it was more, but several of the kids were kind of enticed to jump on the kelpie's back, and one kid didn't do it, but he actually reached out to touch the kelpie, and his hand got stuck, and so kind of sensing what was about to happen, he cut off his own fingers to release himself from the Kelpie. Smart. And then he went to get help. And when he came back, the only thing left of the other children were, there was like the entrails of one of the kids by the side of the pond. You don't eat the entrails. That's just gross. Yeah. That's just, that's it's awful. Yeah. That's just rude. I feel better about Glashton. Um, he just has little horsey ears. Right. That's, that's right, the right, big right, reveal. Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> Some people think that they're really like this was especially the children's story was just a way of keeping kids away from bodies of water to keep them safe so that they wouldn't go mess around and fall in. That logically follows. 
But if you can catch his bridle, then you can control him. And there are stories of people, mostly, of course, like Christians uh, doing this. Now, those stories are spread by the Kelpie who says, you know, yeah, if you can grab my bridle. <laughs> like, go for it. Mm, mm, mm. Um, and the uh, he uh, because he has the reversed hooves, even when he becomes human, he will still have the reversed hooves. So he's often also associated with Pan or Satan. Mm. I mean, I don't even know what the reversed hooves would look like. You know? Yeah. There's a movie like, that just seems Manos like- in the Hands of Fate. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what it looks like. <laughs> I think you're probably just right. a dude with his costume on backwards. <laughs> oh, it can happen to anybody. Oh, the giant river otter I mentioned is the um, Doorku, or he's also called the king otter. But yeah, he's a giant murderous otter. Kelpies can be killed mm-hmm. with a silver bullet. Yeah, so this they typically, yeah, they're bridles. You can control them with the bridles, and they can be killed with a silver silver bullet. Huh. So, yeah, yeah. Well, dear listeners, thank you so much for joining with us. And if you'd like to continue the conversation, I'd, we'd love it if you would uh, make a comment on our blog and kind of give us some back and forth. That's really very meaningful. Or join us on Discord, where we have a little community that's been chattering back and forth. Uh, you can also follow us on Instagram at dispatchist underscore podcast or Twitter at the dispatchist. Email us uh, at the dispatchist at gmail.com. You'll find all these links on our website. You may not, probably not that one because the search bots find it in total. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't post email addresses online. Oh, never mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So not that one. Okay. So you can also find us on Facebook at the Dispatches Podcast. Let's talk about hell. And you can find Victoria and I at Morbid Anatomy in their class on Psychopomps. Yay! But until then, we'll see you in hell. Bye! podcast is copyright 2021 by the dispatchist and its creative commons you're welcome to reuse with attribution look for us on your favorite podcast app say hi to us on twitter or gmail at the dispatchist no spaces check out our website dispatch.ist for more episodes show notes and a variety of hellish resources